Okay, so um, I'm just going to talk a little bit tonight and then we'll meditate and I'll kind of guide you through meditation, okay? But I just wanted to explain the rest of the uh, seven points of cause and effect so you can see a little, where, a little bit where we're going. So last time we talked about love and the wish for others to have happiness for its causes and compassion, the wish that they're free of all undesirable experiences, the three kinds of undesirable experiences, and also their causes. So compassion is a really essential part of the path, and you'll see in many of the texts, um, in one of the very great texts by Chandrakirti, uh, in which most of the text is spent talking about um, emptiness, Majjhimikavataya, the, the prostration verse, the first verse in the whole text, is homage to great compassion. And so, uh, really emphasizing this, you find this again and again in the, in the scriptures about how important great compassion is. So Chandrakirti was saying at the beginning of our practice, great compassion is very important because it it's like a seed. You know, when we have the great compassion, it becomes like the seed of enlightenment. It becomes the seed that will eventually lead, become, turn us into Buddhas. Um, and so that seed's very important because without the seed then you never get the result. And so this, this great compassion ensures that we, that we enter the Mahayana path, that from the very beginning we approach our spiritual practice with the idea of becoming Buddhas for the benefit of others rather than, you know, doing our spiritual practice basically for our own welfare. So right from the beginning, the great compassion is important to to um, direct us towards this, this grander scope, this, this more noble motivation. In the middle of our practice, the great compassion is very important because it's what keeps us going. It becomes the water and the fertilizer that enables things to grow. And so, uh, when we're practicing dharma, we need a lot of energy. We need, our mind needs to get fertilized in many ways. And so when we have great compassion, it gives us that far-reaching attitude. It gives us the strength of mind to confront the various difficulties that arise in our practice. And dharma practice isn't easy. Um, well, actually, they say it's quite easy. Just our mind won't let it be easy. But um, <laughs> you know, but we need like a, a certain strength of mind and a certain willingness to go through ups and downs continuously. That long-range attitude, some kind of really big motivation, strong motivation, to, to keep us going. Um, because trying to subdue the attack and anger and ignorance doesn't always come easily as we see so readily in our, in our daily life, you know, we're like thinking we're really getting somewhere, and you know. Um, so the compassion is what keeps us going long term. It gives us the energy. Um, because, you see, if we're working basically for our own benefit, then when things start going wrong in our practice, we just lose our energy and we say, ah, oh, hell with it, you know. What, what this, this isn't doing any good, I'm not getting anywhere, what's the use, this is a drag, my knees hurt, my head hurts, it's boring, you know, let's go to the ice cream pot. Um, you know, we just want to drop everything and split. 
So the compassion is, I think, what keeps us hanging in there uh, instead of letting our mind get overwhelmed by discouragement. Because with compassion, we have a much bigger scope and we recognize we're not doing this just for ourselves alone and that it involves, you know, the happiness of many, many other beings. And so because, you know, many beings' happiness is involved, we get some extra energy to do something. And you see this, you know, how this works just in very ordinary circumstances. Um, you know, when you really care about somebody, you have extra added energy to do something. When you don't care, you don't have that energy. Yeah. I mean, you wouldn't, normally you, you wouldn't get up at two in the morning to, to do something for, for somebody, you know. But if your child is crying, you get up at two in the morning, and it's okay. So, you know, the compassion gives you an ability to, to do things that, you know, normally you may not do if you're just taking care of yourself. I remember, I mean, one real good example of power compassion. I mean, there's a few, a few that you hear. Just in, in, you know, very simple terms. You know, you've heard of these extraordinary stories of, of somebody who's like been pinned down under a rock or under a car and somebody, you know, comes and lifts the rock or the car so the other person can get out. You know, this kind of extraordinary thing can be done due to the power of compassion. I ta- and I talked, uh, one place where I traveled, I met one woman was very, very heavily into drugs. When she got pregnant, she stopped drugs. It was really interesting. For her own benefit, she wouldn't stop. She got pregnant, all of a sudden, taking somebody else's involved. And that gave her, you know, the strength of mind to stop. So, you know, compassion can be very strong in, in keeping us going whenever there's difficulties. So it really becomes like the water and fertilizer of our practice. And also in another way it enriches our practice in that when we act out of compassion then we accumulate a very strong positive potential that nourishes and enriches our mind and makes gaining the realizations easier. So the great compassion acts as, as that kind of fertilizer so that all of our um, you know, constructive actions become much more intense, much more you know, karmically very much stronger. And so that, that speeds us along in the, in the practice as well. And then at the end of the path, the great compassion becomes like the harvest, like the crop that you reap at the end, in the sense that because of the great compassion, then when we're the Buddhas, the great compassion is what fuels all of the Buddha's activities. In other words, if the Buddha didn't, you know, if there were if the Buddha didn't have great compassion, which is impossible because then he wouldn't be a Buddha. I mean, that's the whole point, you know. Like I say, if the Buddha didn't have great compassion, then the Buddha wouldn't do all these things. But that's the point. There wouldn't be a Buddha if there wasn't great compassion. So, um, you know, it, the great compassion is what keeps a Buddha's deeds for the benefit of sentient beings ever flowing and continuous. You know, it was, it's what makes... A Buddha's deep spontaneous. So a Buddha doesn't need to sit there, scratch the head and say, well, how do I benefit this person and do I really feel like it today? I'm a bit tired and, you know? And, and so the Buddha doesn't have all that kind of stuff that we do. The, the, the beneficial actions are just spontaneous. 
Well, kind of as spontaneous as we get anger, that's even more spontaneous. It's the Buddha's beneficial actions for the benefit of others. And so it's, again, due to this great compassion that fuels that, that makes that be going. She can see, you know, in this way that the great compassion is important at the beginning of our practice to, to get us going towards Buddhahood in the middle of our practice to keep us going and give us giving that strength of mind and the ability to create a lot of positive potential. And at the end of the practice, to make our, our Buddha's deeds, you know, spontaneous and continuously flowing towards others. And so that's how Chandra Kirti at the beginning of the text pays homage to the great compassion. And they're really showing us how important it is. And so if you look, you know, if you start to look at, at like all these different Bodhisattva's deeds and Buddha's deeds and all that, that the Buddhas do for sentient beings, you think of a Buddha being able to manifest in millions of forms spontaneously all at the same time to be able to benefit others. You know, and, and when you think of a Buddhist courageous mind, you know, that, that's completely joyful undergoing difficulties. And if you think, uh, you know, of the Buddha's joyousness in doing meditation, all these different kinds of qualities of a Buddha, and then you think that that all comes basically due to the great compassion. But all those those abilities and skills that that uh, come that are really the source of sensory things, well-being, um, all come from a great compassion, and that uh, I mean it's so interesting. Cause I haven't planned on saying this, but then it's coming out of my mouth. Um, you know, because <laughs> in this text they are they, they say you know they trace like even. The, the, uh, liberation of the arhats, you know, that comes from a Buddha, you know, kind of like all the virtue, all the liberation, all the good qualities in the world come from the Buddha. Why? Because it's the Buddha that gave the teachings that allow, that enable sentient beings to follow the path and purify their mind and gain these realizations. Um, and so gain the spiritual realizations, and it's also due to the Buddhist teachings that sentient beings know what to practice and what to abandon, and so, you know, then can take some responsibility and abandon negative actions and create positive actions. So one way of looking at it, you know, it's like all the happiness that exists in the world, all the happiness of all spiritual realizations, it all has its root in the Buddha because the Buddha is the one that explained to people how to do this. The Buddha came from being a Bodhisattva, because anybody who's a Buddha was initially a Bodhisattva. The Bodhisattva came from Bodhicitta, this altruistic intention to become a Buddha for the benefit of others. And the Bodhicitta arose due to great compassion. So it's like great compassion becomes the source of, you know, ultimately the, the Bodhicitta, the Bodhisattva, the Buddha, the, the Arhat, and so all the, the temporal pleasures of sentient beings that they gain from creating good karma, the ultimate realizations. So that all comes, you know, via this route from the, the great compassion. Is that clear? And so that's why when you think about it, I mean, why great compassion is so important. And uh, if we think about it also, we can see how much we personally have benefited 
from the great compassion of the Buddhist and the Bodhisattva. Because whatever benefit we've received from the Dharma teaching, you know, when you just look at your own life and, you know, whatever benefit you've received from the, the Dharma teachings, again, it's all due to the Buddha having given those teachings. And the Buddha having given the teachings depends on the Buddha having cultivated great compassion, you know, on the path. And so we can just see in that way how much we personally, in this very lifetime, so much of our own confusion and um, spiritual malalaise um, has been pacified and that pain been alleviated due to the existence of great compassion. So great compassion becomes something that's really quite admirable, something that's very special. And in that way, you know, if we have that appreciation for what great compassion does, then, um, then our heart opens and we want to develop it inside. And because it seems like when we look at the world and all the things we can do in this world, there's nothing else as valuable as generating it. So the, you know, when we, the stronger is our great compassion, then the stronger is the bodhicitta. Stronger the bodhicitta, then the quicker we attain Buddhahood. Yeah. So if we want to attain Buddhahood quickly, the root is to develop and gain a strong great compassion. It's also through the great compassion that people then uh, attain enlightenment in that very lifetime. Because to attain enlightenment in, in this body, in this life, lifetime, it necessitates entering into the Vajrayana vehicle, and the foundation for entering into the Vajrayana is the great compassion. Again, you know, we come back to the great compassion as being the source of um, quickly attaining enlightenment, of making quick progress along the path of entering into the Vajrayana vehicle. It becomes really important all the way around. And really when we think of all the happiness in the world, and again, how all happiness comes about due to good karma, which comes because the Buddha, you know, instructed sacred beings what to abandon and what to practice. And that came from the Buddha being a Bodhisattva, from the Bodhisattva, from great compassion. So it's just, it's like the whole, our whole lives are wrapped up somehow interconnected with the great compassion of those beings who have had that the integrity and the strength of character to, to train their minds in that way. And so when we see how we've benefited and we really have some some noble act, you know, some appreciation for that noble quality, then then something in our heart changes, something flips over and it's like that becomes the most important thing in our life, the most worthwhile thing in our life. And so you can see, you know, when we really think in our lives, can you think what was I did this? One course I was teaching, I asked people just um, to imagine that, you know, that they were dying and to look at their lives and and um, what was, what are the things they regretted doing in their life and what are the things that they felt very good about, you know, if they were going to die today, what are the things they felt good about having done? And so we did that, and then we talked about it afterwards. And it was incredible consensus in the group that, that 
you know, the thing that people felt good about having done in their lives, you know, at, considering if they were going to die, was all the things that they shared with other people. That's a love and compassion shared with other people. And kind of universally, all the things people felt lousy about in their own life were the things, you know, when the, the self-centeredness had, had taken control of the mind. So you can see, you know, that that great compassion benefits others, and it's something that very directly benefits us, too. And if we have great compassion, then when we die, there's no regret, there's no self-hatred, there's no disappointment. So great compassion is very, very important. At this um, conference, you know, I, I keep telling you how uh, you know, we brought up this issue of low self-esteem to the Dalai Lama, and uh, how surprised he was about it. And then I, uh, you know, and then later on after that conference, I heard his holiness give some public talks, and it was so interesting because from time to time he would bring up low self-esteem. Before he did, he never he didn't never use that term, <laughs> you know. He never used that term before. And then after that conference, when he started using it, and he always recommended compassion as, as an antidote to low self-esteem. And I thought, compassion? Why compassion? When you're thinking about compassion, you're, the object in your mind is other sentient beings. How does that help you develop self-confidence? Because you need self-confidence to get over your low self-esteem. How does that work? And so I thought about, you know, why is his holiness so good? Is he just because, you know, he always says, meditate on great compassion, something's wrong here, meditate on great compassion. Is, is that, you know, is that what he did? What, what was the sense in that? And when I thought about it, um, you know, kind of some of my own personal thinking, is that when we're involved with low self-esteem, we're really spiraling around the eye. You know, there's a very solid, concrete eye, and we're completely spiraling around it as, as if there's elephant glue, you know, and we're just spinning and spiraling there. there there's no space in the mind, and mind's very tight, okay? When there's great compassion, the mind's so open and spacious. Yeah? When, there's great, when there's compassion in the mind, there's just space. And I think when there's space, then there's automatically some sense of well-being and some sense of self-confidence. Yeah. I mean, I wonder if you, if you really need to, to, to meditate on self-confidence specially. I don't know. I'm not sure. Maybe just meditating on the great compassion would do it. Yeah. Because when we think about great compassion and we think about you know, the benefits we receive from other people's great compassion. Then our minds, you know, just have lifted it, gets joyful. When we think about our interrelationship with other beings and how wonderful it would be if we had the great compassion and could give to others some of the things that, that we have received so kindly, you know, then somehow, I mean, the mind, the heart, everything's just open. I'm stuck. So, I think that's, you know, but maybe we should do an experiment. We can, we can do an experiment. Half of you meditate on great compassion. 
and half the med and half the room be, be like a placebo effect. <laughs> you know, I'm not meditate on great compassion, then we'll still check after a week. See who has more self confidence. <laughs> you know, we can do one of those personality tests where everybody took a personality test and then half the room meditate on great compassion, half the room not and then take the test again. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder what would happen. You know? I mean, it might be a good experiment to try. Just try it for a week, kind of every day consecutively meditating on great compassion and see what kind of change comes in your mind. And see also, you know, if by meditating on great compassion, inadvertently your feeling about yourself also changes. And also with your feeling of refuge, it would probably change to meditating on great compassion. Because um, when we meditate on great compassion, we appreciate the qualities of, of the triple gem even more. And we also realize when we meditate on great compassion how much we need the guidance of the triple gem. And so that really increases our refuge too. Because we, re- we really feel that close bond with them and appreciation and need of their guidance. So again, refuge is to for the mind of them up.